As you know, we're in a 21-day season of prayer and fasting. My commitment to you is as I pray and fast and as the Lord speaks to my heart and reveals some things, I'm going to address those things. And those things may not always be easy to address, but I fear God more than I fear man. And I love God more than I love you, and I love you a lot. But I love God more. But if you and I are going to be able to move forward together as a body of believers into everything that God has prepared for us, we've got to let God heal us. I'm going to say that again. We have got to let God heal us. You have got to let God heal you. And so today I just want to talk to you for a little while on this subject. Healed or hurt? It's your choice. It's our choice. And the passage of Scripture that the Holy Spirit took me to today is a familiar passage in John chapter 5. And I want to read the entire passage here, verses 1 through 17. I'm going to make a few comments along the way, but then I have three principles as it relates to us receiving healing from God that we can take home with us today. But let's just begin by reading and allowing me to make a few comments from this passage of Scripture because in this passage of Scripture, I see some things that remind me of the church. The Bible just says this, After this, there was a feast of the Jews. And Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now there is in Jerusalem by the sheep gate a pool, which is called in Hebrew Bethesda. Now that name reminds me of the church because of what the name means. The name Bethesda means house of mercy or grace. Isn't that amazing? We've sung about grace today, and now the Scripture talks to us about a house of grace. And I believe that's what the church is to be. Yes, we are a house of prayer, but this should also be a place of mercy and a place where grace overflows. Why? Because you and I have received mercy from God. And we have received grace from God. We need to give mercy, and we need to give grace. And it said that nearby that pool called Bethesda were five porches. I'm not saying that it does, but it could. These five porches could represent the five-fold ministry gifts of the local church. Apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. Five is the number of favor. Five is, get this, the number of grace. And then we go to verse 3, and he said, In these porches lay a great multitude of sick people. It reminds me of the church. We're sick. We're hurting. And we need to be healed. And he describes our sickness. He says, we're blind, we're lame, we're paralyzed. And he's literally talking about those people who were Lying in those porches, they were blind, they were lame, they were paralyzed, they were waiting for the moving of the water. That also reminds me of the church because there's some folks that are just waiting on the next move of God. 
They think that's the answer. Just wait on the next move of God. Listen to me this morning. I'm not here to wait on the next move of God. I want to start the next move of God. I want to be on the front end of the next move of God. But they're sitting around waiting for the next move of God. For an angel went down. Now, if you have an NIV or maybe even some other kind of Bible today, that verse is not even in your Bible. The reason why is because in the earliest Greek manuscripts that were later translated into English, this verse does not appear in the early Greek manuscripts. It was added by the scribes to give us an explanation as to why people were coming to this pool. But it was nothing more than a superstition. And here's what the superstition, here's what the tradition was. For an angel went down at a certain time in the pool and stirred up the water. Then whoever stepped in first, now listen to me, God says come one, come all. When the Spirit of God begins to move, it's not just the first one who comes, it's anyone who comes that can be changed and can be blessed. But it said whoever stepped in first after the stirring of the water was made well of whatever disease he had. Now a certain man was there who had an infirmity 38 years. Now that reminds me of some folks in the church because there's some folks in the church that have been in the same condition for a long, long time. 38 years he had had this infirmity. And when Jesus saw him lying there and knew, that means that Jesus had supernatural knowledge of what was going on in this man's life. And may I tell you this morning, he has supernatural knowledge of everything that is going on in our lives today. He said that when Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he had been in that condition a long time, he said to him, look at the question he asks. It seems like a strange question to ask somebody who's had an infirmity for 38 years. You would just assume, yes, this man wants to be healed, but he's been in this condition for so long that maybe he's gotten comfortable with it. Maybe he has come to accept it. Maybe it's providing a good living for him because beggars cleaned up in this culture. And so Jesus looked at him and he asked him a question, a question that I think he's asking us here this morning. Do you want to be made well? Do you want to be healed? Do you want to be made whole? The sick man answered him. Now you would think if you've been sick 38 years, you would think, man, this is just what I've been looking for. My answer has arrived. Yes, yes, I want to be healed. Duh. But listen to what his reply is. Sir, I have no man to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up, but while I'm coming, another steps before me. He makes excuses and he blames others. Jesus said to him, rise, take up your bed and walk. And immediately the man was made well took up his bed and walked. And and then notice it says, and that day was the Sabbath. Now why is that important? Because verse 10, the Jews therefore said to him who was cured, it is the Sabbath. 
It's not lawful for you to carry your bed. You see, this reminds me of the church too because when God does begin to move, religious folk get bent all out of shape. All out of shape. And here's a man that's had an infirmity for 38 years and the Pharisees are still more concerned about their petty rules because nowhere is this in violation of the law. Nowhere is this breaking the law. Sure, the law said, remember the Sabbath and to keep it holy. All this was breaking and violating was the Pharisees' interpretation of the law. And so they looked at him and said, it's not lawful for you to carry your bed. And he answered him and said, he who made me well. Notice, he doesn't even know who Jesus is. He has no clue who it is that has done this work in his life. And he said, the one who made me well said to me, take up your bed and walk. Then they asked him, who is the man who said to you, take up this bed and walk? But the one who was healed did not know who it was. For Jesus had withdrawn and hidden himself among the crowd. Afterward, Jesus found this man in the temple. He was probably back at the temple giving thanks, giving praise, for what had happened in his life. And Jesus said to this man, he said, see, I like that because earlier he talked about the blind, but now he said, see, you have been made well, sin no more. Now listen, we know that not every sickness is connected to or related to sin, but sometimes it is. And evidently in this man's life, his sickness was a result of his sin. And so Jesus told him, stop sinning. Sin no more. In other words, Jesus is saying, listen, really the greatest miracle that you need to experience, you've not experienced it yet. You need a spiritual work done in your life. You need to be forgiven and saved of your sins. So he said, sin no more lest a worse thing come upon you. Shut the door to sin so then the man departed and told the Jews now he knows who Jesus is it was Jesus who made him well for this reason the Jews persecuted Jesus and sought to kill him because he had done these things on the Sabbath can you believe that Jesus would heal a man who had had an infirmity for 38 years that he would heal him on the Sabbath? Oh, God forbid. But Jesus didn't care about their petty rules. And he doesn't care about our petty rules. All he cares about is making sure that you are saved, healed, delivered, and made whole for the glory of God. But Jesus answered those Pharisees, and he says this, he says, My father has been working until now, and I have been working. In other words, he said, as long as people are hurting, as long as people are sick, as long as people are blind and lame, then there is a work for me and my father to do, and we're going to keep working. We don't care what day it's on, we're going to keep working until the needs of people have been met. Now, I know that when we read this passage of Scripture, it's a story about a man who experienced physical healing in his body. But what I want to talk to you about today is I want to talk to you today about emotional healing. 
Because there are some people here in this room today under the sound of my voice. You're hurt. You're hurt. Emotionally, you have been wounded. And until we can receive healing from that and for that, we will not be able to move into what God has prepared for us. I want to give you three very simple things this morning as it relates to our healing. Number one, I want to talk to you about the reason that we need to be healed. And the reason that we need to be healed is really obvious. The reason we need to be healed is because every one of us have been hurt. There's not anyone in this building unless they're over in the nursery. And even they, when they were born, may have gotten spanked, may have got slapped. But I don't think there's anyone in this building here this morning that would raise their hand and say, not me. I've never been hurt by anyone. No one has ever said anything to me that wounded me. No one has ever done anything to me that hurt me or that wounded me. Because all of us have been hurt. All of us have had people say something to us that bruised us, something to us that hurt us. They've done some things to us perhaps that have hurt us and left us emotionally wounded. Listen to what Jesus says in John chapter 5 verse 3. When he saw that great multitude of sick people, here's how he described them. He said they're blind, they're lame, they're paralyzed, they're waiting. Blind. Listen, when you are stuck in a moment of your past as a result of hurt, you cannot have a vision for the future that God has for your life. We have to break out of that moment of hurt because it's then and only then that we can have a vision of what God has prepared and planned for us. You'll never experience the good things that God has planned for you as long as you are stuck in a moment of hurt, blinded by that hurt in your life. And we all know that if we cannot see that it affects the way we walk. And he said not only were they blind, but they were lame, they were crippled. Because our walking is affected by our ability to be able to see. But so many of us, if we're not careful, we are blinded because of hurt. All we can think about, all we can see is what happened to us in that moment. What that person said to us. What that person did to us. And we're not able to move past that. But then notice the third thing. He said they're paralyzed. And that's where some folks are this morning. They are paralyzed by fear because of past hurt in their life. Basically, what he's saying here when he talks about blind, lame, and paralyzed, he says they're unable to see, they're unable to walk, they're unable to work, they're unable to do anything. And so many people in the body of Christ today are paralyzed by fear. I hear people say, I'll never get married again because I'm not going to make myself vulnerable like that again. I'm not going to put myself in a position of hurt again. I'm never going to get involved at church anymore. I'm never going to serve because... I did it before and somebody said or somebody did something to me that hurt me. And you're paralyzed by that fear and you don't realize what you are missing out on, what God wants to do in your life and in my life and in the body of this church. Blind, lame, paralyzed, 
waiting. Waiting. And notice what they were waiting for. They were waiting for the move of the water. They were putting their hopes and trust into something that was not going to be able to heal them. Now, when we get hurt, sometimes we refer to it as being bruised. I think all of us know what a bruise is. A bruise is internal bleeding or an internal wound that is caused by an external impact. And we've all had a bruise on our physical bodies. Maybe we collided with something. And as a result of that, it left a bruise on us. An external impact that created some internal bleeding or some internal injury. And when you have a bruise, all you have to do is just touch that bruise. And it reminds you of what it was that bruised you. The pain, the discomfort that you feel. It reminds you of what it was that bruised you. Here's the thing, there's a lot of people that have been bruised emotionally. It goes much deeper than your physical body. It goes into your spirit, perhaps it goes into your soul and perhaps even into your spirit. And, 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 and folks in that condition, they're sitting around perhaps waiting, waiting for something that really is not going to be able to bring the healing that they need to experience in Luke chapter 4. This is so important. In Luke chapter 4, Jesus has just spent 40 days and nights in the wilderness being tempted of the devil. And he's praying and he's fasting and he comes out of the wilderness. And when he comes out of the wilderness, the Bible says he comes out full of the Holy Spirit and with power. And he goes into the synagogue and he stands up in the synagogue and he takes the scroll and he unrolls it. And he begins to read saying that this is a fulfillment of this prophecy. I am a fulfillment of this prophecy. He said, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He had sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind. And then notice what he says. He said, to set at liberty them who are bruised. Now, if you are here this morning, here's what this passage of Scripture is telling us. If you are bruised, if you are living in hurt, if you are refusing to move past your season of hurt or your moment of hurt, you are in bondage. You are in bondage, but you don't have to wait on the stirring of the waters. 2,000 years ago, God sent his son, Jesus. The Bible said what they were waiting on was for an angel to come down and stir up the water. That at a certain time, and that certain time is the Greek word kairos, which means a window of opportunity. They saw it as their window of opportunity. Jesus came 2,000 years ago. And ever since then, you and I, we have been living in a moment of opportunity. It's not the waters that you need to get stirred up. All you need is Jesus. Jesus, Jesus can heal the brokenhearted. He can set free the bruised. So why do we need to be healed? What's the reason? Because we've all been hurt. And we need to be set free. We need to be delivered. Which brings me to the next thing, the responsibility to be healed. I mean, whose responsibility is it? Is it all God's responsibility to heal me? Do I have a part in this? Yes, 
It's me and him. It's actually me cooperating with him. Me being obedient to him. Because look at this, this. This, this just blows my mind. It says, now a certain man was there who had an infirmity 38 years. There's some of you, you've been hurt far too long. You've been in that condition far too long. I know I'm getting personal. I know I'm getting right down into your business this morning. But I'm telling you, the Holy Spirit is going to do a work in this house today that we will remember I believe that could be our breaking point for the heavens of God being open over this place and blessing us like we've never been blessed before this certain man was there who had an infirmity 38 years and when Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he had already been in that condition a long time he said to him do you want to be made well I ask you this morning do you? Because let's face it, some folks like the sympathy they get. Some folks like the attention they get. I mean, think about what this guy had to give up. Here he is as a beggar, crippled, making a pretty good living, but when he gets healed, guess what? He's got to go back to work. He's got to go back to doing his daily responsibilities. And some people, they look at, well, let me weigh this. Do you want to be made well? And, and, and again, the man looked at Jesus and he said, sir, I have no man. And that's what I hear so much when you talk to people about healing, their emotional healing. I don't have no, I have no man to help me. I tried to call pastor, but he didn't call me back. I tried to call, call my therapist or the counselor, but they didn't call me back. I tried this, I tried that. Let me ask you, have you tried Jesus? I wish we had a prayer mountain here at Summerton. I told you about that last week. In Seoul, South Korea, Dr. David Youngie Cho, that when someone comes to them needing counseling, they say to them, hey, what you need to do is go to Prayer Mountain and fast and pray for three days. And he said, usually after that first three days, their issue is taken care of. But if not, we say go back seven days. If that doesn't work, go back 10 days. If that doesn't work, go back 21 days. If that doesn't work, go back 40 days. Why? Because I know that Jesus is the healer. And I know that in his presence, in his presence, he heals us. He tells us what we need to do in order to be healed. And he said, I have no man. Stop depending on others. Yeah, we need one another. That's, that's why we have small groups. Because it may very well be in that small group that you receive your healing. We're working hard, planning, strategizing, putting things together so that in the fall we can relaunch the life groups, the freedom groups, to help people work through these kinds of issues. And yes, the Lord gives us resources to help us. But what we need to happen, only Jesus, only Jesus. If we want it to be lasting, if we want it to be permanent, only Jesus. And so he made excuses. Well, I don't have a man to put me into the pool and when the water stirred up. But, well, but while I'm coming, another notice, now he blames others. 
as to why he's remained in that condition for 38 years. We've got to stop blaming others and we've got to take responsibility for our own hurt and we start by admitting we need it. That we need it. So Jesus said to him, now here's what he says to us this morning. Rise. Take up your bed and walk. Notice he doesn't say, be healed. He says, rise. He's, he's encouraging this man to attempt the impossible. That's what he is encouraging us to do here this morning. He's encouraging us to attempt. I can't. I've been in this condition far too long. I can't get up. I can't rise up. The old saying, I've fallen and I can't get up. But Jesus looked at this man and said, rise. And it wasn't a suggestion. It was a command. Now that man could have stayed in his condition. But Jesus looked at him and said, rise. And then he said, take up your bed. In other words, we're not going to leave any room for relapse here. We're not going to leave any room for you to go back to your comfort zone. Get up off of that comfort zone. Get up out of that comfort zone. Take up your bed and get to walking. Get back to serving. Get back to loving other people. Get back to getting involved in other people's lives. Get back to getting a vision of what God wants to do in you and through you. Walk. So you and I, we're going to have some responsibility. God's going to tell us what to do, but we've got to do it. Rise. So we've got to rise. Take up our mat. We've got to take up our mat. Walk. We've got to walk. Whether we feel like it in that moment or not, we're doing it by faith in the Word of God. Oh, somebody just take a minute right now and just praise God and just help me loosen this up a little bit. So we need to be healed because we're hurt and we need to be set free. The responsibility, it's a two-way thing. It's God and us, us cooperating with God. But then I want you to notice the results of healing. Because the Bible says it here in verse 9, and immediately, immediately the man was made well. Because of his faith, because of his obedience, and what this scripture is telling us is that his miracle was instant and complete. Now, I believe in process. And I, I do believe that there's some folks that after the event of encountering God, that they're going to need to follow that up. All of us need to be in process. All of us need to be continually growing. All of us need to be continuing to do the things that's going to help us remain free. But I believe that your freedom can come. Your healing can come instantly today. I believe it. I wouldn't be up here preaching this if I didn't believe it. But notice, he said immediately the man was made well. He took up his bed and he walked. It was instant. It was complete. But then notice what happened in verse 14. Afterward, Jesus found him in the temple and said to him, and this is a part of the process. He said, see, you have been made well. Sin no more, lest a worse thing come upon you. You see, that's what hurt does. Even after God has healed us of our hurt, hurt will try to find its way back in. And hurt opens the door to all kinds of sin in our lives. 
unforgiveness, bitterness, resentment, anger, malice, envy, jealousy, murder, adultery, strife, division. All of those things are sins that are able to get into our life because of the door that was opened as a result of our hurt. And so Jesus told this man, sin no more. Sin no more. When he heals you, shut the door on your past. Jesus asked that man at the pool of Bethesda, do you want to be made whole? And that's the question he's asking all of us today. Do we want to be made whole? And it really is our choice whether we remain in our hurt or allow God to heal us so that we can move forward into the things that he's prepared for us. So rise up. Take up your bed and walk today. Healing is yours. He is Jehovah Rapha, the Lord, our healer. So I just want to take a moment and pray with some of you that might be struggling with some past hurts in your life. Maybe something that was said to you or something that was done to you. And just believe God to heal you right now. Amen. Father, I just lift up those who are watching us today who may have been stuck in a moment of their past as a result of something that was said to them, something that was done to them. Today you ask us, Father, do we want to be made whole? And we say, yes, Lord, we want to be made whole. We want to be healed. So Father, I just pray that you would touch those today that are bruised emotionally and heal them for your glory so that they can step into the destiny that you have prepared for them. In Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Well, again, thank you so much for joining us. We would love for you to come and be our guest sometime here at Summerton Church of God. God is doing a great thing here, and we would love for you to be a part of that.